Welcome to the Queer Arabs podcast. This is Alia. This is Nadia. And we have a guest. Can you introduce yourself? Um, yeah, I'm Aram Ronaldo. I do some activism, community organizing, and a bunch of stuff around the Bay Area in San Francisco and California and so on. Awesome. And have you lived in the Bay Area for a long time? I was born in San Francisco, Children's mm-hmm. Hospital. Grew up <laughs> here <laughs> and moved around, you know, the so-called United States, you know, over the years. Um, um, what are some of the projects relating to community organizing and activism that you're working on lately? You know, I'm a big fan of your show. And Thank the you. reason I heard about it yeah. was um, my acquaintance, Amara who was on an episode like a couple years ago and um, yeah. uh, she was talking about Takwa Core, I think. Cool. Yeah, we met through uh, an organization here called Queer Crescent and we've planned a bunch of nice stuff. And, you know, there I'm yeah. this enthusiastic, uh, raging Palestine love kind of person. <laughs> So Queer Crescent, um, how did you get involved? I lived in New York a few years ago for like the third time because I keep ending up back there for work and stuff. And it was like December 2016. And I, you know, the election had happened, but the inauguration hadn't happened. And so, you know, like in January, the Women's March happens and like everybody's just in the streets, like all year long. I was just like protest after protest. But when I came back to the Bay Area, I was just, you know, trying to get connected with all the LGBTQ centers and the activism groups that I knew had like a California chapter. And I was at a coffee shop in Oakland and there was a poster like, Queer Crescent, oh, uh, nice. check it Posters out. Work. <laughs> yeah. Posters in coffee shops are like... Whenever I'm flying really for people or flying yeah. for various organizations and stuff, I always think like, no one's going to see this. No one ever like joins something because of a poster, but I was wrong. <laughs> People, posters work. Well, especially if you put in like a coffee shop where you're you're waiting for a few minutes and you like you look at the walls. It was like a queer friendly coffee shop, you know, and like the art was you know wonderful. I I really like that artist who who makes their posters and t shirts and stuff too. Nice. Yeah, I remember hearing about Queer Crescent like around the same time we started this podcast, and we were excited to find each other. And yeah, do you want to talk a little more about like the palace? the Palestine-related activism that you've been involved in or you've been, like, developing? The reason that I'm so obsessed with Palestine (laughs) (laughs) is because my family's from there and I've been and, you know, we have land struggle with our family. We have, you know, inheritance of lands, my grandma's old house on Bethlehem Road and all kinds of stuff that is just so entangled obviously with occupation and legal things that are very confusing considering like decades of legal tumultuousness whatnot yeah and then so i'm here in california doing you know american legal (laughs) stuff there's a really cool group called palestine legal they do a lot of you know legal aid to people in need all over and so i just made different connections and one of the connections that i made on land struggle was with uh, the local native american um, community here in the Bay Area, and they're the Ohlone people. They have a land trust called the Segorite Land Trust, which is really an impressive piece of land. And I started chatting with them and made some connections and made a little project with them. Yeah, tell us oh. more about that project. Yeah, so well, my parents have a little have a little restaurant in Berkeley that they have had for over thirty years. The landlord happened to be in the family, and so I started talking about 
do you think there's some way that we can do this land transfer thing because there's a growing uh, land back movement that some people know about, a lot of people are learning about. So I started to develop the project and got in contact with the Segorte Land Trust people. And we had a really great meeting and this was a couple of years ago and slowly, you know, we just, you know, I tried to do this posters and flyers and postcards and word of mouth stuff. Posters work. Yeah. It's like a, it's a little campaign and a learning tour all at the same time. Yeah. And I think it's, it's so important that it's like, it's action on a, I don't want to say small level. Cause like even it's, it's significant, but, yeah. um, on like a very practical level, like this is an amount of land that someone has control over and they can give that much land back to indigenous governance. And, yeah. um, yeah, I just think it's so important that you're drawing that link between, colonialism on different land um i was checking out i think the facebook page for your land back project and you did like a little cartoon which was like two people (laughs) arguing about whether they're like refugees or um settlers and it's like they're both right you can be both um Mm -hmm. and i think that's that that is like such a that's so important to understand right because if you can't understand that you can be both a refugee and someone who's participating in colonialism like you can't understand palestine you can't understand the u.s you can't understand um so many examples of colonialism and exploitation yeah well i'll give a little shout out to the inspiration for that little zine that i made was i went to a, a nora erikat talk at the berkeley city college i think it was like november of like a year and a half ago so right before stuff pandemic-y things happened and you know she's from the bay area too i didn't realize she was talking about arab futurism and palestinian futurism and like you guys you know i don't have all the answers to the future but we should do a little bit more of like let's just imagine it you know so i was like okay (laughs) yeah that's important too um i guess kind of another conversation we've been having recently is having community spaces that aren't just focused on i don't want to say not just focused on negative because like there's nothing wrong with like talking about like oppression and trauma and all those things um but not to the exclusion of like imagining and dreams and like knowing what we're for as well as what we're against right um so yeah Yeah, it's that's a really important adventure that i i know a lot of acquaintances and i've talked about you know different organizations considering the swan up people and lands have had a lot of history of (laughs) madness that it's nice that some of us have any spaces to make art or have like you know storytelling time or whatever because that is nurturing our activism souls as well you know being able to focus on like a future that you envision um yeah keeps you going and then also yeah and then that related to that um acknowledgement of like a person can identify as a refugee and also like acknowledge the colonial aspects of like settling um on like indigenous land, formerly indigenous land or yeah that's a really important step in like creating solidarity with like indigenous activist movements um you also mentioned like when we were talking over email you might you mentioned like the importance of looking at the parallels among indigenous activism palestinian activism and then like the the, and blm for example and how forming solidarity among those three movements can be a very powerful thing yeah Um, and speaking going back to beautiful postcards (laughs) and posters i saw this you know it was on instagram a flyer that a really nice artist 
in Chicago made. And another shout out to an acquaintance through Quick Resident who got me to follow. They got me to follow India Moore, the, the performer, TV performer. Cool. You know, who's a really great activist on social media too, who posted like, okay, Chicago is having this kind of action. It didn't have any comments or it didn't have any words. And I think comments weren't allowed, but it was like Black Indigenous, non-binary Palestine action, re-decolonized Chicago, I forget what the, the indigenous name of Chicago is. It's like something close to Chicago, but pronounced a different way. And But it was like the sponsors at the bottom of the poster were like BLM, various other things, but Students for Justice in Palestine, Chicago, oh, and another amazing. Palestinian group. Yeah. And I was like, oh, we're getting it together. There we go. There we go. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like activists in Chicago are... And like organizers in Chicago are really yeah. doing a good job. Yeah. Um, have you uh, witnessed like that same kind of coalition building between those different movements happening in the Bay Area or on the other side, like any resistance to uniting between organizers for different causes? The coalescing aspect, yes. I'll try to think of if there's been resistance. So resistance to the resistance. <laughs> but actually a really great, I forget what the event organizers were called, but I think the first time that I met, so that little zine that I made was also inspired by meeting with the two people that organized the Sigorte Land Trust. They are Karina Gould, who's Ohlone, and Janela LaRose, who's from Southern California, indigenous of Southern California, I think. But they were even just like throwing out ideas like, what about like a little cartoon or, you know, a little comic book or whatever. And I was like, okay, I'll put it on the to-do list of ideas. All of our ideas, can, should, I, should I make a poster? Should I do a postcard? Should I do email blasts? You know, like we have to think all this stuff through. Yeah. But there was an amazing uh, panel discussion. It was like a queer, a white queer person, host, interviewer. And three people on the panel, Karina Gould was one representing Sorgorte and the Ohlone people. And there was a Puerto Rican activist a woman who had been incarcerated for like 15 years and she was representing a puerto rican culture and that perspective mm-hmm. and lara kaswani who's from iraq arab resources organizing center that might be right can be double checked but yeah the three of them were talking about uh, anti-imperialism and it was just like they were comfortably the three of them from totally different cultures you know relating it and connecting it the whole audience was just like this is amazing (laughs) just to be here and to hear you know talented people laughing a little bit about it but like telling like it's that balance of talking about really you know messed up stuff Yeah. And how to move forward with it. The balance of like, yeah, acknowledging what needs to be acknowledged and then also like envisioning something better. Like, did you, like, have you both done university or yeah. college mm-hmm. level stuff? You know, I just, uh-huh. I juggle even the concept of lectures because I dropped out of college, but I've been mm-hmm. to so many, you know, even the Nora Ericat lecture or like event at Berkeley City College. You know, she has a good energy. She's trying to keep you, you know, entertained. Yeah. But it is a little bit more of a lecture, and I've I've sort of like steered away from too much lecture, and I like a little bit more engaging conversation, breakout chats, and like yeah. yeah, I've like um for I guess things I've organized, I'm kind of I've I've been trying to tune how to have like open discussions without letting I, I guess just the right way to kind of organize open discussions around a topic uh 
because so many people are into the like totally non-hierarchical discussion yeah. thing but it's it's not non-hierarchical because it's like right. the one white dude talks the most right um <laughs> I, like i feel like non-hierarchical conversation is like code for let the hierarchies that exist outside this room just slip in um yeah i feel like um just figuring out how to uh how to facilitate community conversations it's its own art and having enough structure mm-hmm. without being without dictating what the conversation looks like yeah that's a tricky balance i think it's a worthy you know attempting it is worthy you know we're not yeah. always going to get it perfectly right but like you know if you're trying my goal would be to like have as many of the white people and cis men drop them you know hand the mic over so like as much time as they yeah. don't speak is my goal <laughs> give up a little bit more me included you know i have a lot of white passing privilege and cis passing privilege which i try to right. steer in the right direction as support yeah how yeah, i is, think about that a lot too. how um i guess i'm um, from your perspective what's how do you navigate that in doing your activism or organizing or how do you um i guess which is a question for everyone like how does like checking your privilege as an organizer come into how you do your work? You know, it's a lot of personal conversations because especially I feel very lucky in having lived in the Bay Area, in San Francisco Bay Area, New York City, all of the LGBTQ centers that I've been able to access, you know, they've been doing it for a while, you know, they've been doing it for decades and they have, a, you know, a good protocol of making sure people feel safe inside the, the walls of the building and so the concept of like moving up move up move back when you're in a group of people like you're in a you know a meeting with people you might be over talking or you know just check yourself so like a little bit of checking yourself it's practice but it's a worthy you know exercise to do that kind of stuff also another shout out to your show is a uh, guest you had on was from rainbow street yeah and that's such a great you know Thing to set up for Jordan, Palestine, Syria, I'm not sure, all the places they yeah. worked. Yeah, I like that they, they use their position um, to, like, do a lot of financial, like, or, like, mm-hmm. the Yeah, funds and also yeah. just, like, legwork, just, like, practical. Yeah. Right. Like, the it's a good point because, to go there, you know. Right. Yeah. But they let people actually, like, in the region kind of steer the operations. Exactly. Like, otherwise. Yeah. And I appreciate that. Yeah, exactly your yeah. point of like what either what strengths do we have that are given to us by our privileges are something that we can like basically donate. Like I don't have a lot of money per se. I'm on like stimulus check. It came in <laughs> and, you know, pinching pennies. But what do I have? You know, I have if you want a, a body to show up at the protest and I feel like I'm able that day, yeah. I'll show up with my sign. I'll paint something on it and I'll. I'll walk around as much as I can. That's something I can offer. Showing up is huge. I mean, yeah. Yeah, in this time in the world too, like it's really risky in even more ways to go outside. But it depends on what you feel like you can risk taking one for the team. Something to just like... And I think that's just like also just like a just different spin on like, like what privileges do you have? Like not everyone can medically safely show up to a protest, but like, yeah, I feel that I can, you know, that that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you guys also had the Al Kaos people. Yeah, oh, uh, we loved show. them. Yeah, yeah. I know, so magical. And you know, I just think of when I was in Jerusalem and when I was in Bethlehem, it's a whole other way to behave, you know, hiding, you know, a little bit yeah. of queerness and like, you know, going through checkpoints. You're like, don't make any peeps. <laughs> and using my yeah. stupid US passport yeah. as like a tool, it's like, I feel my grandma like 
looking down like, okay, whatever it takes, <laughs> but... <laughs> I'm glad you go, I'm glad you've been able to go yeah. visit. That's also a privilege, and I I've definitely appreciate it, because yeah. the stories that I was lucky to have my grandma tell me, me and my sister grew up with our grandma, you know, in our grandma's house, and just all this, like, Palestine, 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 and we're like, okay, we get it, mm. but then finally we grow you up. You got to see it. It's like, yeah. cool, yeah. How old were you when you first got to go back there? I was already in my 30s. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I, I've, I've been able to do like little trips, expensive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you just make it happen. I'm just, yeah, I'm going to refrain from going on a birthright rant right now. But like, I wish you would. <laughs> oh, God. I wish yeah. you could like get that paid for. <laughs> but, yeah. Wishful thinking. Yeah. Working on it. You know, I think I'm sneaking in little like visions of that future into that little zine land land cool. back hashtag land back hey. yeah comics and zines yeah. and stuff imagine it you never know that's where it starts it yeah. starts mm-hmm. with a, a vision what yeah. are some of the things that when you got there and you were like wow this is what my grandmother would describe even just the little things that kind of stood out to you i think i had a really nice little journey walking down the bethlehem road because um my grandfather grew up in this in the city in the old in the old city of jerusalem inside the walls and everything Oh, and wow, so cool. finding some like, you know, a little, I, ch- I chatted with some people who lived around there. I stayed in like a little hostel in the Muslim quarter for a bit. Then I saw my cousins who lived outside of, is it West Jerusalem? I guess, I'm not exactly sure. But just want, you know, walking down Bethlehem Road, just checking things out. There are some interesting like signs that have historical things. I walked by the King David Hotel, which is kind of like a cool thing. I walked through it. There's a history of the bombing of the King David Hotel and yeah. I didn't really even know that history until more recently. There's a show called, well, there's that show, The Crown, with the first part, it's that their boy is playing the queen. But there's a, there's a series, a BBC series that she was in a few years before that called The Promise from 2010. And she's like a British person who goes to Palestine. Oh, interesting. And yeah. it's a whole thing. So I like to tell people like, oh, you're ran out of binging the crown check out the promise it's all about palestine like okay so okay i don't understand why people are so obsessed with like british yeah we were just talking about that we were talking about that because like i tried to watch bridgerton and maybe i'll give it another shot but i i also just like i couldn't get into it and then then we were just like what is it about british royalty like i just want someone who's into because here's the thing it's not even just white people who are into it like yeah i can't even just be like oh it's white people's no like a lot of people are into mm-hmm. it, and I yeah. don't quite understand. And I just want <laughs> anyone who's listening who's, like, really into that, just, I, I want to understand your perspective. Yeah. So, like, ex- explain to me. <laughs> yeah, one person said it's, like, the trashy pettiness that still happens <laughs> behind all this glamour. Yeah. And just, like, the just Maybe the, like, it's just, like, us thing. Maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I just haven't been able to, like... Anyway, the promise sounds more it. interesting. Yes. The promise <laughs> has promise. Huh. <laughs> yeah, or, I don't I know what do. you think of that. Yeah, show. actually, was it good? The promise? Yeah. In yeah. 2010? Yeah, the one thing which is interesting, if anyone is you know, into pop culture, I guess. So it's going to be a lot of Israel-Palestine stuff, obviously, drama and and all that. But it is visually stunning, and all the actors are kind of shockingly too attractive. But, you know, (laughs) that's 
TV, but yeah, there are like true. a few of the actors in there that also appear on the Crown Netflix thing later. So it's kind of a fun thing to see who risks their career to be in a pro-Palestinian Israel Palestine BBC production. That says something about. Was it like mm-hmm. very like firmly like pro-Palestinian like in terms of messaging or? I would say definitely yes, only because you would have to be like pro, you know, a very Zionist kind of <laughs> tone. Otherwise, if you even give Palestinians a little bit, you're yeah. like anti-Zionist. <laughs> God, that's so yeah. fucked up. Yeah, how, how bar, low the, the bar, bar is. How exactly. low the bar is. It's like, mm-hmm. wow, you acknowledge the existence of a group of people. Therefore, <laughs> we'll take it. Trouble. Yeah, that sounds interesting. I, I'll check that out. Anything else that you remember from your visits that, I don't know. I, I love hearing about that when people like hear about something growing up and then they finally get to experience it well so two things come to mind is walking down (laughs) legendary to me and my sister bethlehem road is my grandma who grew up outside of the old city down the road on bethlehem road went to school inside the city so it was this whole like oh my god we lived so far away and i had to like whatever you know my grandma's telling the stories yeah and so i just felt it you know like it's like whoa she yeah that is annoying (laughs) going down that same route Mm -hmm. and just checking out you know the the way things look some of the things that are clearly like hundreds of years old and some of the things that are clearly more modernly you know built or whatever yeah and on that note you know this is kind of the connection that i made with this land struggle across the so-called united states and in palestine is like whoa this building doesn't fit into what it doesn't seem like it fits in mm-hmm. oh, okay. okay it's a settlement <laughs> and then i'm like whoa this this is all like settler buildings you yeah. know next to like some kind of 100-year-old buildings. And then at some point, I, it was I was thinking about it here in the Bay Area, but then it was kind of like congealed after going to the Nora Erika talk because she's like, this is a you know, settler society, you know, the so-called United States. You know, yeah. however you identified, we're complicit with, look around, everybody, everyone's buildings, like is just a huge settlement. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like, oh my God, <laughs> what do I do? Yeah. We do what we can. To the point where you can yeah. see that contrast. You know, all of this, you know, Holy Land is very kept for a lot of tourist reasons. I, I got to go to the Church of the Nativity and there was cool. just Bethlehem. I think my favorite thing, okay, about getting to Bethlehem was you get there and it's like, welcome to Palestine. In bold, you know, like everything is like, there's a tourism office of Palestine and cool. sponsored by some like Japanese companies. Like, it's like, <laughs> oh, this is like, that's all. Of and course. then I went to the Banksy Hotel, which was just very silly because all of his works are like, you know, right there on this. Yeah, that's um, been interesting to see. It's very, yeah. it's on, I think it's uncomfortable exactly because it should be. You're like, buy this separation wall yeah made of concrete that has beautiful art on it but it's trying to like you know got you share with people the feeling of this weird wall yeah i remember there was this really interesting album that came out a few years ago that was like a residency at that hotel i think it was called block nine whoa yeah yeah yeah. and there was just there's just a bunch of artists from around wherever who like came to that residency and they just like made a bunch of music and it was like in support of or against the occupation there have been a lot of cool uh you know events and gatherings for musicians and dancers which i always dream of attending but i can always support and retweet and you know share my instagram stories whatever 
but yeah, it is. It I think making so many of the connections that we can is just strengthens our sliver of anti-imperialism struggle, even as we're yeah. here. And yeah, <laughs> the safety of our relative safety of our home. Okay, this is like taking a few steps back and like just I'm I'm just curious. Um, you mentioned your parents' restaurant. <laughs> uh, tell us about that. Ever since I was. A little kid, me and my sister have grown up in this, you know, Bay Area restaurant scene. And my dad, who identifies a lot more with Lebanon, because he has, you know, he was born in Iraq, in Baghdad, but they ended up in Lebanon, you know, when he was little. And then through like the, you know, 70s when he came here, he very much was a Beirut kind of guy. So a lot of the food that they did at my parents' restaurant, my mom is French Canadian background from the east coast and so they did a lot of middle you know mediterranean it was like this vaguely mediterranean (laughs) and then you could do anything you could do dolma and sarma and lamb chops and whatnot so yeah we grew up very much like in this community of food and it brings a lot of people together but it's also a semi-privilegey thing like who goes out to eat and all of that but yeah i'm definitely obsessed with middle eastern food and swana food and the way you make it and everything my grandma used to make by hand and we would all we would pitch in too as kids like she you know we're coring you know zucchinis while watching murder she wrote and yeah (laughs) oh that's cool so you like so do you feel like you can replicate a lot of what she did i have been working on it and personally i've been in all these different fully carnivore or fully vegan or fully, you know, vegetarian or pescatarian or paleo. So, like, one day I can have all the dolma with all the, you know, meats in it, and the other time I'm having the vegan one. And so, yeah, juggling yeah. all of the things. But... Learning that, learning to be so versatile in cooking is like that's a pretty high level. Yeah. I'm also fascinated by like slight variations of food across the region, like slightly different ways to like spice lahamvajin or like. <laughs> slightly different things people put inside the dolma or like that kind of thing because mm-hmm. um, I, I my, my family's like Lebanese background um, and then just like experiencing like just the different twists on that or even even like within Lebanon how like Armenian traditions will like have slight variations on things and just like mm-hmm. put different spices and put pomegranate and um, yeah. yeah those nuances are always so interesting to me yeah, definitely spices are like, I'm obsessed and I'm also on the verge of figuring, cracking the code. Like, <laughs> I still am like sprinkling sumac and I'm like, don't put too much, you know, cumin. I don't really know what I'm doing. So, like, I check my grandma's little recipe book, but I, yeah. it's my like the, the future somehow. I have to figure it out. Yeah. I'm obsessed with just like putting like a bunch of spices in whatever I'm making, even if it has like nothing to do with it. Um, like at the beginning, or okay, so we ran out of sumac now, but like at the beginning of quarantine, I would just like put it in everything. I'd just be like, I'm gonna put it in yeah. this pasta and on this tofu, <laughs> and um, I'm gonna mix it with shakshuka. We had like half a gallon, <laughs> we had like half a gallon that I had brought back from Jordan like a while mm-hmm. ago, and then. Nadia's like, oh, this goes like there's nothing it doesn't taste good with. Yeah, you were like, this has been sitting here for too long. I'm gonna use it and like use it. And, use yeah, it. and Nadia has, I don't know, it's like just unexpected ways. Yeah, to you, there's use things it. you wouldn't think it works with, but it really does. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, doesn't it work? With? I don't know. <laughs> Growing up, we're always salting and peppering things, and the the big 
you know, tagline for all of the aunties and uncles and anyone, you know, tasting things are like, mmm, delicious. But on right. second thought, it needs lemon. That's like everybody's joke is like, hmm, delicious, needs lemon. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but well, actually, more what lemon, was... more garlic too. Oh my God, I know. So yeah. um, last year, or like a couple years ago, my parents' restaurant managed to do brunch, which was really fun. But because of this um, Palestinian pizza manouche place that had risen up, it's called Reams. They were doing farmer's markets and they sort of had a really nice following. They managed to find a, a nice little spot in Oakland, right at one of the East Oakland, uh, the Fruitvale BART station. And it was just a really, speaking of like things coalescing and coming together, it was a, it, it ended up being a really nice place for everyone to just, where should we meet? Uh, Reams. <laughs> we can have Manusha, we can hang, you know, it's easy. There's BART right there. BART is the uh, subway system around here. And it was just like, we're like talking about Zionism, anti-Zionism, anti-Semitism, Palestine, you know, like, and it's just like, yeah. whatever, we can do it here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's a huge painting of um, Razmia Odeh on the wall inside. <laughs> wow. And they got in so much trouble. That's one place that Oh, you know, really? her name is Reem. Her name is Reem. She started the pizza place. Yeah. And she, they got, you know, all kinds of threats and I don't know what. And just being God. Palestinian sometimes gets you in trouble. So even here in California. God. But they've gotten like a solid following like now. Clientele. Yeah. yeah. Very much people addicted to those delicious. That delicious. makes sense that you would just like combine pizza and manouche. And, yeah. 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 I mean, they make, yeah. Same they make all kinds of stuff. Yeah. They have lachman really and they have, you know, vegetarian ones and meaty ones. But yeah, so on that note, you know, my, my dad and my grandma in our household, we had tons of all the delicious stews and menus for brunch and full for breakfast yeah. and like spices everywhere. So, but for him, for my dad, he was a little bit more trepidatious trepidatious to do some of those things at the restaurant that are a little bit more obviously Arab food or Middle Got East to, food yeah. you know so he would he would maybe vaguely do something but it's like oh Mediterranean he's safe yeah. you know but if but I think that's always so like, funny what like the generic like Mediterranean thing and it's like <laughs> yeah. but then like when like our people walk in there they're like okay so who, who are these people and where are they from and they like figure it out in like four uh -huh. seconds immediately <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, the delicious part that was fun, you know, since the couple of summers that were pandemic, when my parents' restaurant started doing brunch, my sister and I were like, come on, everyone even, everyone knows what Manusha is right now. Let's just have it on the menu. And my dad was like, okay, we're going to have pancakes and we're going to put Manusha under the pancakes. I'm like, okay. <laughs> and it was so cool. And it's like, that even the, really the discussion good. of Zahtar is like, everyone knows what Zahtar is now. Like, yeah. you know where to buy it. You know what to do with it. You know, some of these things are just seemingly groundbreaking decades later. I feel like Manusha is still kind of hard to find. At least there's like one place in New York that is like a Manusha Atlantic. place. Yeah. Is that the Atlantic place you're like saying it's really expensive though? Um, there's that's different. It, that's the one. It's called Manusha oh. NYC. And oh, they have like a few Oh my God, I've been out. there. Oh yeah, oh. yeah. You know, you know what's, what I ended up, I've taken everyone to is... Oh, what's it called? It's, I think they're Iraqi. It's in the West Village, but they might have more than one. Oh, Mustache. I haven't been there. I'll <gasps> check it out when, <laughs> when, when that's like a thing we do. <laughs> mustache. Okay. Okay. Cool. Noted. 
Um, so now that we've devolved into a conversation only about food. <laughs> um, or evolved. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Let's not put uh-huh. hierarchies. Now that we have, um, don't put food in the we corner. We have, like, arrived at a conversation <laughs> about food. Um, is there anything else uh, you uh, want people to know that you're working on or you have coming up or just anything else you want listeners to know? Um, the, the one thing that I'm still, you know, uh, practicing doing is encouraging people to people in the Bay Area, you know, the most go to the Segorite Land Trust website. And if you feel inclined, you know, go to where they have a page where you pay a land tax. You're like, I identify as, uh, you know, not necessarily a settler, but like, I, I know that historically, I'm from some other lands. And I do feel like I should paying this land tax and they've set up a really nice page where people can do that and it calculates your income and okay i owe you know fifty dollars this month or fifty dollars for the year like whatever you can do and it's a sort of an honorarium but it's also like an acknowledgement when you can't do like if you don't have land to offer as land yeah yeah okay gotcha makes sense yeah um and we'll link it's actually yeah we'll link to it description Yeah. yeah It's it's actually I'm impressed at how uh, widely known Segorte Land Trust is becoming. I mean, you know, mostly in indigenous circles and all of the sort of black indigenous non-binary students for justice of Palestine, <laughs> you know, overlap communities. Yeah. Um, but there was a magazine. If anyone wants to check it out, too, it's called Briar Patch Magazine in Canada, and they had a whole land back issue in October. Oh, wow. uh, a couple of months ago and it included like you know here are four ways that people can operate in the land back movement you know if you pay rent and you want to think about doing something if you have land can you do something like land back offering the land back yeah or if you have land but you don't necessarily have that ability you can also work within you know offering permits or offering access to native people who don't have the land to use to do ceremony and stuff. Gotcha. So that that issue is very eye-opening. All of the articles are written by really interesting people. Nice. Amazing. So we'll link to that too. Yeah. yeah. Cool. And how can people contact you or connect with you? Like Instagram, any other way? Yeah. They can find me on Instagram at Philistine, spelled F-Y-L-Y-S-T-E-E-N. Okay. <laughs> and that's actually just part of my journey of realizing you know people using the word philistine oh you're such a philistine and when i was looking it up with friends the definition is just someone from palestine (laughs) because that's the arabic word for palestine yeah yeah so what's what's you know like what the like what's the colloquial orchid or origins of using philistine as a like as an insult like that person's yeah yeah we did look it up I don't remember, <laughs> but somewhere <laughs> on the internet, it's something like some German person at court in England said it, or I don't know, you know, 1659, I don't know. Back to the English courts. It's bizarre, yeah. Bizarre, <laughs> it's bizarre what sticks. I know. Just these little, like, moments yeah. that just, like, have anyway. this domino effect. Anyway. Go follow them. <laughs> yeah. Go follow them. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just, just saying, personally, I, you know, it's been really fun to do a lot of, I did a lot of protesting that year in 2017 in New York City, 
connecting with people and organizations that are related to the New York chapters and the Bay Area chapters. But, you know, doing like you were talking about, it's a lot of activism and organizing stuff takes a lot of effort and energy. And to get some, you know, recharge, it's nice to just hang out with people or to find inspirational people to be with. And I'm just finally at the point where it's been nice to connect with people to do some collaboration, even if it's like a little, you know, book of, uh, you know, cartoons or yeah. uh, storytelling things. Yeah. And I'm definitely like anyone who wants to talk about Palestine or queer Palestine or anything like that. That's like, let's have a chat. Awesome. Yeah, hit them up. Mm -hmm. You can follow us on Insta, Twitter, and Facebook at The Queer Arabs, and our email is thequeerarabs at gmail.com, and our website is thequeerarabs.com. We're on pretty much every podcast app now, so check us out. Mm. Which you already have, if you're listening. <laughs> but you maybe you should try a different app. Try, like... yeah. Play around with <laughs> all the apps. <laughs> Let us know what you like the yeah. best. Thanks all so much for listening. Thank you so much for coming on. This was great yeah, to connect. Yeah, it's been fun to be here. Yeah, okay.